Hello and welcome back to another episode of the FSVU's Talk and Chop podcast partnered with the V89 Sports Radio here at FSU. This is your host, Courtney Evans. Unfortunately, Gabe is not feeling too well this week, so he won't be on this week's episode. However, I have the pleasure of having Thomas Martinez as a guest this week. Thomas is the editor-in-chief for the FSVU in Florida Flambeau. I will let him introduce himself a bit more. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone listening. Thanks for having me, Courtney. I'm so glad to be back on the podcast. I was on a few times last year when I was a sports editor, but it's great to be back on to talk about some Florida State sports. I think there's a lot going on this week. Yeah, there definitely is. We have some football news to talk about, recap from Clemson, the news about Chaba Purdy, NC State preview, uh, former Seminole Jameis Winston went down in the NFL this week, and then, of course, we have our soccer team. They're getting ready to... Um, play in their semifinal match in the ACC tournament. That's a tough matchup for them. And then from there, they go into the NCAA tournament. So there's definitely a lot to discuss. So um, we'll go ahead and get started with FSU's loss to Clemson this past weekend. What are your first like reaction thoughts from that game? So I thought it was an interesting matchup. Going into the year, nobody would have thought that Florida State could have competed with Clemson. But obviously, Clemson's been a little bit down this year. They entered the FSU game with 14 scholarship players having already been out for the year. So they've dealt with a lot of attrition. Florida State's still trying to build its own program. And going up to Clemson, some people actually thought Florida State had a chance to win that game. Um, They ended up not getting it done. Clemson still does have one of the best defenses in the country. And Florida State definitely struggled against that defense. I believe they had 13 drives and they only scored on two of them. And one of the scores was a ridiculous play by Lawrence Tofili. Um, a type of play that you don't see very often where it seemed like he was down and then he wasn't down and it ended up being a 75 yard touchdown. Um, so I think it was another step in the right direction for the Florida State football program. I wasn't all too surprised with the loss. Um, but there's still certainly a team that has a ways to go. Yeah, I'd agree. I think nobody was expecting that game to be as close as it was. Like, the Clemson Tigers did beat the Seminoles by 10 points, but those last few points came at the end of the game where Mike Norvell and his team were just trying to make some crazy miracle happen. So you take those points off the board, and it's it's only like a one-possession game. It's only a one-possession win for the Clemson Tigers. Um, what really hurt the Seminoles was the third down efficiency. They were four for 13 on, on third down and 0 for one on fourth down. But yeah, I agree with, it was a promising look for the Florida state football team. They're definitely going the step in the right direction. Um, but it's hard not to mention Clemson's running back Shipley, who came back from his injury and he's a threat to be reckoned with on that field now. And I think the Clemson Tigers had looked so shaky this whole season because they didn't have him in the backfield for them. And now that he's back, you have to wonder, do you think Clemson's going to continue to power through and somehow come out on top of the ACC? And what does the future of Florida State look like? Like, can we be a competitor with Clemson next year? I think I, I could see Florida State taking a step back against Clemson next year, especially if Clemson is healthy. Um, as for this year, Will Shipley... He, was, he seemed to be the only player that I'd be afraid of as a Florida State fan while watching that game um, in terms of Clemson having an explosive player on their offense. 
Um, he was the only player that seemed to be a consistent playmaker for them throughout. Um, and Florida State just didn't do enough to stop him. I think Clemson, I don't know if they end up, you know, making a run for the ACC title. I think Wake Forest, surprisingly, as they're, I believe, 9-0 and right now, um, they might have that one down on lock, even if they end up losing out, because I don't think they're as good as their record shows. Um, but as for Clemson, I think that it's just been an unfortunate, an unfortunate confluence of events for them, where they've essentially been left with so many players injured, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I believe they've lost three running backs so far this year. And here you have this freshman come out of nowhere and end up being their best player. Um, on top of that, Florida State gave up 30 points. And as you mentioned, I guess six of those points were on the last play of the game. But before today, or before that game, Clemson had they hadn't scored more than 28 against a Division One mm-hmm. opponent. So Florida State might have been able to have done better against them. They were also hurt by a few back-breaking penalties on the last defensive possession for Florida State. As Clemson was driving down the field, there was a pass interference call against Jarvis Brownlee. Um, there was a late hit called against a Florida State defender. Um, so, and, and they've been more disciplined in that respect as the years progress, but you're, you still see some of those mistakes being made by Florida State as they're growing as a football team. So we'll see. I'm, I'm definitely encouraged by the, not not even the result, but the way that the team played. Um, so it's interesting to see where the two will stack up a year from now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, those two penalties you mentioned, as a coach of the Florida State football team and as players watching, I don't think those are penalties you could really be mad about because the PI was great coverage and even the announcers were a bit confused why it was called for PI. And the late hit on the replay, his foot was still in bounds when the Florida State defender went down for it so while those penalties definitely came back to haunt well definitely came back to haunt the Seminoles and they end up not coming away with the win those aren't ones that you have to sit there and yell at the players for um they're not the reason the Seminoles lost a game there was a few coaching calls that should have been different different call plays play calls to help the Seminoles drive down the field you know Travis was getting sacked left and right he was having to just run out of the pocket and make whatever happened happen. Um, But unfortunately, he didn't have his miracle runs like he did in the past few games because the Clemson Tigers defense is one of the best out there, and they were ready to just hit him left and right. Um, On the other side of the ball, the defense for the Seminoles did come out big. They forced Clemson to turn the ball over three times, and, I mean, it goes without saying that Jermaine Johnson is is the face of the Florida State defense. He once again came out there and played well, so did – Many other players off the line just going after Clemson's quarterback and their wide and their running backs, but at the end of the day, it just wasn't enough for the Seminoles to beat the Tigers this year. Yeah, no, and I, I think Jermaine Johnson, that's another unfortunate thing because he's one of the best players on the defense. Kira Thomas is another one. Both of them were transfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, most likely, they're both going to the NFL after this yeah. season. So while Florida State's defense did improve, especially alongside the defensive line, they're going to lose those guys after this year, and they're probably going to have to replenish them either through players on the roster or through the transfer portal again. So it remains to be seen if Florida State will be able to have that type of pass rush next year. 
Um, but it's certainly something that's been making a difference so far um, this year. Yeah, and those types of players are players that incoming recruits look up to, and those are the ones that they try to learn from. But with them being so talented, they'd be kind of crazy to not enter the NFL draft because right now they're probably both top second-round picks, you know? And so you have to wonder what Norvell is planning on doing with losing people like them and how he's talking to the recruits to ensure that next year that defense will still be the way it is now even without them there. Yeah, for sure. Now, I think the defense definitely has improved, but it's still, you know, it's still a long ways from where you'd want a Florida State defense to be at. They're definitely not a dominant group. I I would say they've maybe had one complete game all season, and it was against North Carolina. So outside of that, you know, they've made a lot of mistakes, but I I, I really do think that they have more talent at the moment than the offense. Um, I think that goes without saying, actually, because the offense has been lacking outside of maybe the running back room in terms of talent. Um, But if you're a Florida State fan, you should definitely feel better about the depth of the defense than the offense at the moment. Um, As for the offense, you know, maybe looking forward now to this week's game against North Carolina State, they're playing another really good defense, but not at the same level as Clemson's. Um, The fact that you did play Clemson the week prior may end up being a good test for them. As they, as they host the Wolfpack. Um, so it remains to be seen what happens there. I will say the offensive line had a lot of injuries. And honestly, a lot of people undervalue how important the offensive line is to how good your offense is. Because if, if, if you're not sustaining the pass rush that's coming against you, then there's really nothing you could do as an offense. You saw that a lot last year for the Seminoles. They've definitely improved this year, but they've been working through a lot of injuries. So... I think I think that's going to be one of the most important things this week. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, the Seminoles can very easily walk away with a win from NC State. They're going to be back in their home stadium here in Tallahassee. Um, I know the fans and student body are probably very excited to finally have a home game again, and they're getting ready for the following weekend against a team that's one of their biggest rivalries, Miami. So it's like very important that the Seminoles – come out and show what they're worth and kind of get Miami scared to play us next weekend. Um, the Wolfpack, they're 6-2. and two, We're 3-5. and five. It's, it's an ACC matchup. It's an important one for us. Um, it could go either way, but I think if the Florida State defense comes out and forces turnovers like they did against Clemson and Mike Norvell and his coaching staff can come up with a game plan to – call some better plays that give Travis a chance to actually get the ball out of his hands, the Seminoles could walk out of that game with a much-needed win. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, NC State, they've suffered two losses this year. They lost to Miami. I can't remember the other loss off the top of my head. But their quarterback, Devin Leary, has been pretty impressive this year. He's only thrown two interceptions, 21 touchdowns. Their offense has been fairly consistent. And as I mentioned earlier, they have one of the best defenses in the country, probably the second best defense in the ACC. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's going to be a very tall task for Florida State's offense, an offense that's relied a lot on explosive plays this year. I think a huge difference in this game is going to be how well Florida State ends up rushing the ball because if we're being honest, that's really the lifeblood of this offense. Yeah. It's the rushing attack. 
I mean, the fact that they're rushing five, over five yards per carry this year is very impressive. Um, they have two running backs currently in the top 10 nationally in um, yards per carry, and Jayshon Corbin with 7.5 yards per carry and Trayshon Ward with 7.1. So if they're able to generate a good running rushing attack early on, I think that could end up playing a huge role in the game because Florida State's not really a team that's built to come back and beat opponents, especially if you're going to be running the ball so much. You, you need to be defending a lead. So at the end of the day, it's all about generating that rushing attack, making sure that Jordan Travis is not you know on the ground half the game, and then of course on the defensive side of the ball, not do the not make the mistakes that you made against Clemson um, that end up essentially turning a close game from a loss to a win. Um, so I'm really excited to see how the game turns out. I think Florida State's right now in the stage where. You know, they were getting blown out a lot by opponents last year. Now they're losing a lot of close games. So it's interesting to see how they go from losing those close games to starting to win them. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and, you know, people say defense wins games, and the Florida State defense could win those games. But when they don't execute on the offensive side of the ball, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what the defense does. Um, NC State is a four quarter team something that the Seminoles lack with we tend to they tend to fall off um as the game gets on whether it's the defense getting tired the offense just not having anything left in them because they can't get plays going Travis just standing there not knowing what to do because his o-line falls to the ground in seconds like there lots of different reasons why the Florida State Seminoles don't last all four quarters but on the other hand NC State they went all the way to overtime with Clemson just a few weeks ago and they won by six points. They walked away with the win. Um, yeah, they lost to Miami, but all ACC matchups, no matter if a team has a better record or rank, they're going to be competitive ones. So that's that's not even that big of a loss for them. Um, so they're going to come out on that field and give Florida State a run for their money. And it the that Florida State program is kind of – readapting right now you know the just the other day Chubba Purdy posted that he's entered the transfer portal um that was a quarterback that many of the fans even the coaches they were waiting for him to have his shining moment he had a, a little bit of it against UMass he came out and he went 100% perfect on pass completion and he threw for several touchdowns and looked like he could be what the Florida State Seminoles need as he continued to get healthier and continue to work out with them. And then just as of yesterday, he's entered the transfer portal. So now what does that mean for the Florida State program? Like who would who comes in as backup if Travis gets hurt in this game? You know, they've been working it to be purdy this whole season. And all of a sudden, like, you don't want to use somebody like him knowing that he's going to be leaving this program very shortly. Yeah, absolutely. Um I, I think, obviously, Mackenzie Milton's going to end up being the backup option for this season. Um, but it, it definitely is a disappointing thing for Seminoles fans because Chubba Purdy was kind of viewed as the guy that was going to come and battle Jordan Travis next year for the starting quarterback job. And I guess um, if you're the coaching staff, hopefully he would overtake uh, Travis because, you know, that's that's a quarterback that they brought in in their transition class um, as Norvell got here to Tallahassee. Um, it was him and Tate Rodemaker. And I think eventually, you know, Chubba Purdy, things didn't end up going too well for him here in Tallahassee. He obviously, he had a hip injury in a scrimmage last year before the season started. 
then had a surgery on his hip that didn't go well and he had to have a couple more surgeries. And that ended up not only affecting last season, but this season as well, because he was sidelined for the spring. Um, it took him a while to get back and essentially set him far behind Mackenzie Milton and Jordan Travis for this year's quarterback race. Um, and then, yeah, he ends up leaving Florida State because he's upset with his lack of playing time, um, especially on a team that started 0-4. I could see where he could potentially be frustrated by that. Um, now that he's gone, you got to obviously look ahead to next season, what the quarterback competition is going to be. I don't know if Mackenzie Milton has another year of eligibility remaining. I know Jordan Travis will most likely be back. Um, but that really impacts, out of all people, A.J. Duffy, who is yeah. you know the lead quarterback recruit, the only quarterback recruit in the class of 22 for Florida State at the moment coming out of IMG. I think that puts him in pole position to be the main competitor to Jordan Travis. Um, and then it remains to be seen if Florida State decides to bring in another transfer quarterback if Milton does leave, um, if they don't think that Duffy is, you know, a good enough competitor for Travis uh, next year. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I think if Florida State wants to make that leap from, frankly, a mediocre team to an above-average team, you know, something that could certainly, you know, advance that would be better quarterback play because while Jordan Travis is, you know, an incredible athlete and he makes a lot of plays that 95% of quarterbacks in the country can't make at the end of the day, you know, he's not the most proficient passer. Um, there's definitely a lot of quarterbacks who lack his, you know, speed and agility, but are much better passers than him. Just look at Miami, Tyler Van Dyke, their yeah. backup quarterback, who's come in the last two weeks has been a revelation for them. And Miami fans weren't even thinking about Tyler Van Dyke as their future. They were thinking about Jake Garcia, uh, the freshman this year. And Van Dyke has put up 400, 300-yard passing games the last two weeks, led them to two straight wins. So you could see what that can do for a struggling program. Um, so it's definitely unfortunate for Seminoles fans that Chubba Purdy has left the program. I think at the end of the day, they, they got to find somebody to compete against Jordan Travis. I just don't know who it's going to be, though. Yeah, from the perspective of Chuba, all the unknowns about the future of the quarterback position, it makes sense why he would want to transfer to another school. You know, he's the backup behind Travis right now, and it wasn't a guarantee that he was going to be that backup, but Milton put his, front, his foot forward and told Norvell to let the young guns have a shot in, in the game against UMass, and that's when we... We're able to see what Chubba Purdy has to offer. And then I don't think anyone was expecting him to en enter the transfer portal after seeing that from him. But when you look at the, at, a, at a deeper level, like you said, A.J. Duffy's getting ready to join the Florida State program. Travis will probably still be here another year. Um, if they if A.J. Duffy is what everyone thinks he's going to be, he's more than likely going to jump to the top of the quarterback competition here. And somebody like Chubba Purdy that has a lot of talent and is trying to make his – football career go further than just college, it makes sense why he's looking elsewhere. He can't rely on the Florida State program to give him the time on the field that he needs to show the um, the NFL people that he's he's ready for that, that level of play. And you have to wonder, like, he has he has a brother that's playing at, um, I believe it's Iowa State. Yeah, he's at Iowa State right now, and you have to wonder, like, what he's telling him, like, what it means to be a starting quarterback and how that's influencing his future of, of playing football in the NFL. And there's just a lot behind Chubba Purdy that 
I don't think people really know because we haven't seen much of him. So it'll be interesting to see where he continues his college career and how it impacts the Florida State program. Now on the flip side of that, we have um, a Florida State alumni that many know as his, as our national championship quarterback, Jameis Winston, who unfortunately went down with a brutal NFL, a brutal injury in his NFL game this weekend. Um, he just took a very hard tackle and his knee just turned awkwardly and he ended up tearing his ACL. Um, many had their eyes on Jameis as he took over from one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Drew Brees in the NFL. And as an, as a Seminoles fan, they were excited to watch him finally succeed in the NFL and have a coach behind him that trusts him and what he can do. And then to see him go down like that, it's just not anything anyone ever wants to see. Yeah, absolutely. And Jameis was off to a pretty good start this season for the Saints. He had only thrown three interceptions through seven games. And for somebody who set the NFL record for most interceptions in a season in 2019, he had 30 that year. It certainly showed a different Jameis. And I, I really do think the Saints tried their best to kind of limit him from making those types of mistakes. Yeah. But I think he definitely deserves some credit, too, for the way that he was playing this season. And, no, it, it was definitely very sad to see because I think Jameis is just somebody who has an infectious personality. He's probably one of the funniest players in the NFL. He's had a lot of memeable moments. I mean, you saw it after the game, that video leaked of him in the locker room where yeah. he was just celebrating he was dancing on crutches. In, yeah, he was dancing <laughs> in the locker room with crutches. Like nothing could have nothing could have deterred his celebration. And I think that showed, I guess, the type of team player that he is. Um so yeah, no, I think obviously this season's over for him. I'm interested to see what the New Orleans Saints do in the offseason. Do they trust Jameis to be their quarterback next year? Do they turn to the draft, draft somebody to potentially compete with him? Um it just yeah, it is a very unfortunate situation because I, I think this really was his year to really turn yeah. things around, become the franchise quarterback in New Orleans, and they're definitely a playoff team and see what you could do in the playoffs. So, you know, it was a definitely a bad break for Jameis. Um but I, I think the Saints are gonna end up doing well the rest of the year. I'm interested to see what happens after this year. I, I think his future is unclear. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, the Saints the Saints are a team that people weren't really sure if they were legit or not. And then when Jameis goes down against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, you have the haters on Twitter saying that Jameis Winston's faking the injury just because he doesn't want to have to face Tom Brady. But when you look at Jameis Winston's time here at Florida State, he played in some of the biggest matchups this school has ever seen. He led us to some of... He wrote a lot in the history books for the Florida State program, so there's no denying that Jameis Winston is a competitor, and he's willing to go out on that field and face whoever it is. And like you said, it'll be interesting to see if the Saints give him another opportunity come next season once he's healthy again. Yeah, he's definitely somebody who's faced a lot of adversity throughout his career on the field, off the field. You know, he's had a lot of controversies. Um, I think he bounces back eventually, but I'm curious to see how it happens. Yeah. Um, so kind of transitioning back to Florida State sports, um, the Florida State Seminoles women's soccer team, they, they finished the regular season. Unfortunately, they did not get away with the undefeated, uh, season after losing to Duke. And then they had two ties to end the regular season as well. 
Um, what are kind of your thoughts about how the Seminoles ended their season? Yeah, I think they've definitely been a dominant group this year, which is something to be ex expected really from Florida State soccer. You know, finishing with 14 wins, two draws, and just one loss. Their first regular season loss since 2019. Yeah. So every time they go out on the field, they're expected to win. Uh, the way that they play is definitely fun to watch as well as a team that really dominates possession, um, presses high up the field when they don't have the ball, usually get the ball back very, very quickly. Um, I've, I've watched a lot of games this season. There's only been a couple where they haven't completely dominated mm -hmm. the opponent. Um, and one such instance, obviously, was the last regular season game here versus Virginia. And that was number number one Virginia versus number three Florida State. I think that was, that was certainly one of the best opponents Florida State's played this season and a team that really matched them blow for blow. While Florida State did have most of the possession in that game, um, Virginia just did a great job on the counterattack and kind of showed other teams the formula to beat Florida State. Um, so obviously they go into the ACC tournament now um, in the semifinal. They're playing Wake Forest tomorrow night, mm -hmm. start their postseason run. I, I mean, the goal is really for Florida State soccer, it's to make it to the College Cup, to make it to the Final Four every single year. Nothing has changed this season. They certainly have the players to do it. Um, and, and they'll most likely have home games throughout the entire NCAA tournament yeah. as well. Um, so I, I would definitely expect them to at least make the Elite Eight round, but it, it'll be exciting to watch for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, senior midfielder Jalen Howell, I had this opportunity to speak with her the other day, and she stated, I think you learn more from losing than from winning, and I think it was good that we played top-level teams. To be able to face adversity heading into the ACC tournament helped us prepare more, and I think we learned a lot of lessons. Yeah, no, I, I think she has a great point, and I think this team has really an unprecedented amount of experience, obviously because so many players were allowed to return after yeah. not having last year count for their eligibility. Um, people like Yuji Zhao and Emma Nyswanger coming back, um, and NIL probably played a little bit of a role in that. Um, to have those players coming back certainly has helped Florida State. Um, I mean, they have gold medalists on their roster. Yeah. They have they have players who represent their countries. Um, they they certainly expect championships. Somebody who's really impressed me this season on the wing is Jody Brown. Yeah, I think that her speed is just yeah, unreal. Yeah, she has incredible speed. She goes from offensive offensive side to defensive side super quickly. Um, she essentially locks down one side of the field for the Seminoles and really plays a large part in them being able to dominate possession and to deal with counterattacks um, because teams really have no other choice to counterattack against Florida State because they're not going to be able to get the majority of the ball. Um, another person who's really stood out to me this year is Beta Olsen. Uh, the UF transfer. I think she has provided incredible finishing for Florida State. Uh, she's definitely been somebody who has been a difference maker this year so far. Um, and I think that she's going to play a large role for them as yeah. the postseason wears on. She's had a couple of clutch goals. She had one against UNC to tie it up, I believe. Um, 
So she's definitely somebody who not only this year, but in future years too, is going to be, it's going to play a large role for the Seminoles because she's only a sophomore. Um, and she, when she transferred here, she transferred to Corcorian's team that he already had built. Yeah. This, it wasn't like he needed younger players. He wasn't building from the bottom, bottom up. He saw lots of his, uh, veterans returning so the fact that she came into the Florida State program and that quickly became an offensive weapon for us just goes to show how much talent she really did bring to this program yeah I know and 11 goals in 13 games um, or 15 games 13 starts for the Seminoles Um, you don't see those type of numbers very often it helps when you have an all-star team around you Um, but yeah I think FSU soccer they play Wake Forest on Friday night, a team that upset Duke. Um, and obviously Duke is a team that beat Florida State right. um, this year. So I think the Seminoles will certainly be on high alert against the Demon Deacons, a team that usually you know many would think they don't have a chance against Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would think that Florida State runs through Wake Forest fairly easily and then ends up playing most likely North Carolina or I believe it's North Carolina and Virginia in the final. Um, So at the end of the day, even if Florida State doesn't win the ACC tournament, I don't think that that's the end-all be-all because it really is the most dominant conference in the country when you have regularly three or four teams in the top ten. When it comes down to the NCAA tournament, you know, you're going to extra time. You might end up going to penalties. They went to penalties like three or four times mm-hmm. last year. That and was the last matchup with Virginia prior to the one in the regular season was the one where they beat them in penalty kicks. Yeah, exactly. So they've had so many games go down to penalties in previous years. Um, and while that might be to a lot of people like, are you talking about penalties? Well, when they've had so many games go down to penalties and they've only lost really one of them in the last few years or in the last year and that was the national championship game um that could end up playing a huge role so many players have played under that type of pressure before um they embrace it they expect to be in those situations Mm -hmm. and that really gives them a leg up against their competition yeah and i think it's important to mention that going into the last leg of the regular season the seminoles were without several of their players like you mentioned a lot of them play on their national teams they were away traveling to play in big matchups that their national teams desperately needed them for. And the Florida State soccer program realizes that they're just the the building block for these players. Their next step is what what happens at the national level, what happens with the, the soccer leagues and stuff like that. So it's important that they let them leave for the time being to go and make those connections and let those coaches see what they have to offer when they're done here playing for Florida State. Um, So that meant that the Florida State Seminoles were working with a completely different 11 than what they were used to. Like, yes, they have a lot of depth at the bench, but when you don't have your main leaders there to encourage the younger ones to stand on the sidelines and see what's going wrong so when they get on the field they can make the plays happen that are necessary, of course you're going to start tying games. Of course you're going to start losing games. But as uh, Jalen Howell and... Coach Krikorian said themselves, it's it's not where they are right now, but it's about where they are at the end of things. Um, yes, we would love to. They would love to win a ninth ACC championship title, but that's not their goal. Their goal is to win the NCAA championship. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the ACC semifinal and final, 
the Knolls kind of hold back, hold back a little bit. They don't want to show all of their cards this early on. They have a long road ahead of them, and as long as the stars of the team stay healthy and they can continue to watch film and get a feel on their opponents, I think the Florida State Seminoles have a very good chance of making a run and hopefully bringing a fourth NCAA championship home to the the Florida State program. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And looking now at, you know, their potential competition, looking at Wake Forest, a team that went 15-4 and four in the regular season, I think they're certainly a formidable opponent for the Seminoles. I mean, they've lost to Notre Dame, Duke, Louisville, and Virginia. You got a few ranked teams on that list. Um, they're, they're definitely a team that's present a lot of problems. I do expect Florida State to, again, dominate possession, make Wake Forest do a lot more on the defensive side of the ball than they usually would do, and essentially force counterattacks over the top of Florida State's defense. And that's really a difficult way to beat an opponent unless yeah. that's the way that your team usually plays, unless you, know, you guys are used to playing that way. Um, so I, I would certainly favor the Seminoles in that matchup. I think things get interesting in the championship game for the <clears> conference. Um, and that conference championship game might end up determining whether you're a one seed or a two right. seed in the NCAA tournament, which could end up playing a huge role, especially if you make it out to the Elite Eight round. That'll determine if you're going to potentially play at home or away if the number one seed makes it that far as well. Um, so a lot of variables will be at play this weekend in North Carolina for the ACC championship. I'm not going to say that I expect Florida State to win the ACC tournament. They've won it pretty regularly in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, but anything can happen, as we've seen. I mean, they drew two and then lost one within a week against, you know, three of the best opponents in the ACC and then you see this other team, Wake Forest, come out of nowhere and beat the team that beat you. Um, so it really is the most competitive and um, m most dominant conference in the sport, really. Um, so at the end of the day, like you said, you know the ACC tournament. If they lose it, it it'll really it'll be fine. They'll they'll get just as good of a right. chance. Maybe a little bit not as good if if they don't get to host that Elite Eight game, but. I think the expectation remains the same at Florida State to win a national championship. Um, and I think they certainly have a national championship caliber team this year because really they have a lot of the same players as last yeah. year's team that came within a couple penalty kicks of winning it all. Even in that national championship game, I'd argue they were the better team. But And that's with the COVID regulations back then still having limited crowds to cheer them on. And yeah. this Florida State fan base, they're... They're probably going to travel to watch this soccer team as they go onwards with the NCAA championship tournament. Absolutely. Um, and it'll certainly be good to have some home games. Um, that'll certainly play a huge role. Um, I mean, you saw the, the crowd versus Virginia was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Um, there were close to 3,000 people there. I was listening to broadcasts for that game, and they said it was the highest attendance that a Florida State soccer game had ever seen. Wow. And then, yeah, and then there's also people watching it top of the garage. Like, there's yeah. so many people watching Florida State soccer games. Um, 
So yeah, the enthusiasm's at an all-time high. It really helps when your football team isn't as good. Yeah. When the other fall <laughs> sports aren't at the same level as women's soccer, all the attention kind of goes to that sport, and that's really what happened between them and then softball in the spring. Um, so yeah, I I think expectation remains the same for Florida State soccer. I definitely encourage people to go out to watch the team play um, during the NCAA tournament if they get the chance because not only are they very good, they're very fun to watch. Um, and, you know, don't don't take it for granted having a national championship level program because it, yeah. it is certainly a hard thing to sustain. I think the one thing that um, the FSU soccer program needs to work on is their aggressiveness late in the game. You saw in overtime against Virginia, the Florida State Seminoles, they committed several fouls, and a few of them resulted in yellow cards. Well, those yellow cards were at the end of the regular season, going into the ACC and NCAA tournament. Krikorian does not want his players getting yellow cards because the second they get two of them, they're going to start missing games, and he definitely has a game plan set in place. So it's, it's discipline that's going to need to be better for this soccer team in order to go as far as they're expecting to and as as far as the fans are expecting them to go yeah for sure i think discipline definitely plays a huge role it's really interesting as someone who watches some soccer some european soccer Mm -hmm. you know a lot of the fouls that would usually be called overseas are not called here they really let them play yeah they do they they, especially in the box there were a few calls or i guess non-calls during that game on potential penalties that i just thought Really? That's not a penalty? I thought, you know, I thought that was clear. So, I have to wonder if it's because of the lack of flopping from college players or what? <laughs> no, that definitely plays a role for sure. Um, they also don't have video assistant review, yeah. so that definitely plays a role as well. Um, and you, I guess you establish a president and you have to keep it um, when it comes to that. But yeah, at the end of the day, Florida State soccer, you know, they had that huge matchup against Wake Forest. They better not overlook that opponent because right. if Duke did that, I mean, that's that ended up playing a huge role in their loss. Um, there's a lot of teams in the ACC that could beat you on any given day. Um, Wake Forest is one of those, and I don't think Florida State will overlook them, especially since they beat Duke. Um, so that's certainly going to be an exciting matchup on Friday. And then going back to Saturday's game against NC State, mm-hmm. what's your prediction for that game? If you had to make a score prediction, Florida State versus NC State football. Um, you know, when I when we talked about the UNC game, I said the favor was going to be in the the spread was going to be in favor of UNC, and Florida State came out there and win and won. So I'm going to put my bad mojo on. Florida State again and say NC State's going to cover the spread and walk away with the win in hopes that I'll get the same result I had when I said it, my prediction for UNC. Yeah, honestly, I'm kind of the same because every time I pick Florida State to win, they we end lose. up losing. Yep. <laughs> Maybe that's just because they don't win very often to begin with. Um, but yeah, I'll predict North, Car- North Carolina State 31, Florida State 23. Same score as the Louisville game because mm-hmm. um, Florida State will probably miss another extra point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we definitely will. Um, yeah, the special teams make it make it hard to ever think Florida State can walk away with a win. So that prediction could be very much correct. Um, any last-minute thoughts about the football or soccer program as we close up this episode? 
I think this week's uh, football game could end up playing a huge role in how the football team finishes the season. If they win the game, maybe they'll go on a run and beat Miami, Boston College going into the UF game. If they lose, you know, it might end up turning into a tailspin. So mm -hmm. I think we'll, we'll learn a lot about the football team this week. Yeah, I think we will too. And then on the flip side of things, um, it's exciting to see what the soccer program does as they get ready to fight for the ACC title and then the NCAA tournament. Um, there's a lot of exciting things going on Florida State sports-wise here, and I'm excited to see how all this that we talked about plays out within the next few days. Um, once again, thank you, Thomas, for joining me on today's show, and thank you all for listening.